0: This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey, And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in New Mexico talking about a fetal abduction.
1: Then, we'll discuss a case that seems like something out of a sci-fi novel. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the land of enchantment. According to the
0: National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, there have been 329 cases of infant abduction between 1964 and 2020, which makes this very rare. The rarity only makes it more horrifying when it actually happens. The desire to have a baby is tied to a woman's identity. Some call it maternal instinct. But sometimes the desire to be a mother has deadly consequences. Women lie about being pregnant for all sorts of reasons to keep a relationship together, to gain attention from others, to convince their significant other that they did this for them. And sometimes it's for financial gain, but it's always about the attention. But the truth always comes out in the end. My case is just a reminder that there is evil in the world. People do evil things, and women are sometimes the victims for no other reason other than being pregnant. Sam and Cindy Ray grew up in Utah. Fell in love after they met in band, in yeah. school, not like at a band concert. He was a 6'4 senior and she was a 5'3 sophomore. Wow. So they were like me and every guy I want to be a. <laughs> I'm like 6'4 twirls hair pops gum. Got some big height difference. <laughs> so they were married in 1983 in Salt Lake in a temple. They were Mormon and moved to Germany shortly after. Oh. Sam was in the Air Force. The family would eventually move back to the United States and settle in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where Sam was a military police officer. Cindy wanted the perfect family. She was a Mormon, after all, and that meant serving her husband and her children. She was very devout and would put her sacred undergarments in her purse on her OB appointment days, which is where they were on July 23rd, 1987. Wait, she would wear them in her? She would wear them unless she had her appointment, her obstetrics appointment, where they would, you know, put the band on to check the baby's heart rate and see how big she was growing because it embarrassed her because she wore the, she was Mormon. Yeah. You know, they wear those sacred...
1: Well, I've heard about this, but... They wear them under... But they have to wear those to doctor's appointments? They wear them all the
0: time. They swim in them. She still carried them with her. Yeah. Even though she wasn't wearing them, she had them on her.
1: Oh, I see. Because
0: she was a devout Mormon. Okay. So 23-year-old Cindy was due to give birth in just two weeks to a little girl. This is the second child for Cindy and Sam. They have a two-year-old little boy named Luke. Cindy pulled her Chevy Blazer close to the clinic door and rushed inside. She was tired because she's giant pregnant and it's New Mexico in July and she's burning the fuck up. So she had to hurry up and finish her doctor's appointment and then go deliver Tupperware. She sold Tupperware. Oh my gosh. So she goes into the clinic and gets hooked to the fetal monitor on her belly. She chit-chats with the other pregnant women and her midwife before walking outside to leave. Uh-huh. Twenty-year-old Darcy Pierce had pulled into the parking lot and parked beside Cindy's car in her little Volkswagen Beetle. She looked overdue. Like she was ready sort of, to have yeah. her baby. And at 5 p.m., her and her husband were supposed to be at the University of New Mexico Hospital. To be induced. It had already been put off for two weeks due to the doctor's schedule. Oh, my gosh. The nursery was done. All the bags were packed. All the shit was done. And they were just waiting for this baby. They'd been waiting to have this baby for, you know, two years. Yeah. But Darcy knew she wasn't pregnant. She was the only one who knew she wasn't pregnant. And she knew she had to deliver a baby at 5 p.m. that night. So... (laughs) She came to the Kirtland Air Force Base to get one. A baby, that is. Oh, no. Around 3.15, Cindy Ray's husband, who worked in an office across the street from the OBGYN clinic, headed over to check on his wife. The nurse told him, you just missed her maybe five minutes ago. So he walks through the building and there's no sign of Cindy. So he has to leave to go pick up their kid from daycare. And then he goes right back to trying to find his wife. Her car's there. Her Tupperware orders are in the back seat. Mm -hmm. Where's she at? At the same time, a stockroom supervisor at a company in Albuquerque was headed home. This was around 4 p.m. He was headed east on I-40 onto U.S. Forest Service Lane where he was building a house. So he wanted to get out there before the sun went down so he could do some shit. So this was about 15 miles from town. And about a quarter mile down the road, he comes across a Volkswagen parked on the road with the doors open. He gets out to close one so he can drive by. And suddenly a woman appears and says, hey, my friend and I need to be left alone. He thought she was like in the bushes with some dude. and Mm. He's like, I just need to get by Mm -hmm. and then I'll leave. Mm. She insists three or four more times we need to be left alone. So, as he's driving by, he gets in his car, or his truck, he's driving, you know, by, Mm -hmm. he sees a woman lying on the hillside on her back. And the woman he had been talking to kind of crawling back up the hill towards her. So, he's like, oh, it's two women up there messing around. Whatever. (laughs) So, he's like, okay, not my circus, not my monkeys. In the meantime, Sam Ray had continued to search for his wife. He would continue for the next two hours all around the Air Force Base, but no one had seen Cindy, which was not like her. Around 4.30, a car salesman rushes in to Rob Moore's desk into his office and says, There's a woman in the parking lot having a baby and she is asking for you. Rob walks out to the parking lot and sees the Volkswagen part with a woman sitting inside holding a newborn baby wrapped in a blood-stained, oh. like, piece of fabric, dress, something, blanket. She was sweaty and soaked, like, soaked with sweat and just looked distraught. She said, I just delivered my own baby and that she had gone into labor on the interstate between Santa Fe and Albuquerque. She had given birth on the side of the road and had to chew the umbilical cord in two. The baby had patches of blood and mucus still on its head, so it was a brand new baby. Yeah. And she tells the man her name's Amanda Michelle. So Darcy and her husband had been to this car lot the week before looking for a car to buy. Because their family was expanding, she's pregnant, and they meet the salesman. Mm Mm-hmm but they couldn't afford a car so they didn't buy one that day so she knew this guy and that's where she drove to okay seems strange yeah so she asked rob to take the toy ruger pistol that was on the floor in the floorboard and put it like in the in the glove box and then she asked him to ride to the hospital with her where her husband would be waiting So, they arrive at the hospital around 445, and that is the time that they wrote on the baby's birth certificate. Darcy's met with her husband, who notices her necklace is broken. So, he slips the necklace off of her. There was also, like, a Krugerrand that he had bought in South Africa that was kind of like an emblem hanging on her necklace, but it was gone. So, he's like, I mean, if she just delivered her baby on the side of the road, damn, she probably did break her necklace. So, he takes it off of her. So she asks the hospital to check the baby out, but refuses to be examined herself.
1: Red flag.
0: There was blood and mud all over her feet and thighs. And the doctors are worried about her, but she is very angry and short and will not let them come anywhere near her. She just wants them to check the baby out, get a birth certificate, and sign out against medical advice. But her husband wouldn't let her. So who is Darcy Darcy and her husband, Ray, met in 1984 at the Rotary outing in Portland. At A Rotary Outland in Portland. He was an Eagle Scout with a job at a hobby shop and had planned on joining the Air Force. Hmm. Darcy had always wanted a perfect family with perfect kids and a perfect husband. She would often lie to her friends and tell them she was rich and that she lived in a fancy house. But that couldn't have been further from the truth. She was actually given away at the age of 11 days old. Her father was a door-to-door salesman and gave her to one of the families he used to sell pots and pans to. What? Yes. Yes. She was adopted, but she hated her mom and dad. A third-grade neighbor forced her to have oral sex with him. And then other men would make sexual advances to her also as you know, when she was a child, Ugh. her psychiatrist would testify in, to all of this at the trial. When she was six, six years old, she seduced her cousin and they began sleeping together and did so until they were around 12 years old.
1: You can't seduce someone when you're six.
0: They're, they were both six. They were children. Yeah. I know. And I know. It makes me want to throw up.
1: Seduce? Uh-huh. No, kids don't seduce people.
0: Even At, if it's yeah. a kid.
1: That's... It's disgusting.
0: <sighs> At the age of nine, she was completely developed. She moved out of the house before finishing high school and in with Ray. Her parents didn't even come to her high school graduation. That's
1: awful. God. A, I'm just painting
0: that She had a shitty, yeah, shitty childhood. Yeah. She had an ovarian cyst... And one unsuccessful pregnancy in 1985. And she took the miscarriage very hard. And the next year she became obsessed with having a baby. Mm. Darcy took a job at a department store and began wearing maternity clothes in 1986. She took maternity leave and pay on her due date in May of 1987 she told her co-workers that the baby had been stillborn. This is the entire reason that her husband married her in December of 86, is because she was pregnant. Yeah. The couple moved to Albuquerque, and then she changed the due date to July 16th, then July 23rd. By the time she delivered, quote unquote, the baby on the side of the road, she had been wearing maternity clothes and had allegedly been pregnant, For 14 months.
1: Did her husband know she was not pregnant? No. So he thought she was pregnant for 14 months?
0: Men are dumb. (sighs) She's not an elephant. That's almost two pregnancies. Oh, my God. Literally, that's almost two pregnancies. I
1: guess if she doesn't have family in her life and stuff, you know, to say.
0: uh, Well, right. So Sam Ray officially reported his wife, Cindy, missing to the police around 630 that night. He and his Mormon friends began calling local hospitals, airlines, the bus station, Mm. family and friends back in Utah. He also contacted Cindy's midwife, who happened to be working at the hospital that night when Darcy and her new baby came in. So the doctors and nurses know by now that this baby has not been delivered vaginally. It was Mm. perfect. Like the baby's head was perfect. When you have a baby vaginally, their heads are fucking weird and ugly and trust
1: me i'd have my own baby pictures of my face yeah they're not they're not pretty cone-headed no
0: they're not pretty but this baby was
1: perfect like it It perfect yes perfectly round
0: head and the blood on darcy is not where the blood should have been after you have a baby just if you catch my drift like it was all on her but not like around of her
1: vagina vagina yes wouldn't You'd think she would know better. I mean, come on.
0: So Darcy's husband and the nurses are nagging and nagging, nagging her to be examined and checked out because they're worried about her. And then finally, around 10 o'clock, she agrees, as long as they don't tell her husband the truth. The chief resident of the hospital said that Darcy looked like she was about 20 weeks pregnant by her stomach pooch. Same girl. (laughs) COVID's been hard on us. (laughs) By her poochy stomach. But upon further inspection, it was just a food baby. It was Um, not her uterus. Okay. That was large. It was just her Mm -hmm. stomach. She had indeed not been pregnant, never been pregnant, and had not given birth. So the jig is up. And finally, Darcy says she had lied to her husband to keep him from knowing that the baby wasn't his. She said she had paid a surrogate that she had met outside an abortion clinic in Portland, Oregon. She paid this woman ten grand for the baby and had flown her to Santa Fe, where the baby was delivered by a midwife. She said they took blood from the mother and splashed it on her to make it look like she had delivered. They knew immediately this was a lie because the midwife would have clamped the umbilical cord and it wouldn't have been yeah. chewed in two. Why would she eat it all? Right. Right. So around 1 a.m., they lock the nursery and call the police. Good. So the police show up. Doctors and nurses, they're all in there talking to Darcy, asking her all the questions that, you know, like, what was the midwife's name? Where did you get $10,000? And she seemed to have an answer for everything, but none of it made sense. Right. They ask her if she knew a girl named Cindy Ray, and she says, no, I don't have any friends here. They said, well, the mother of this baby may be out there somewhere and she may need our help. So you need to tell us if you know her. We know this isn't your baby. Darcy replies, she doesn't know Cindy and she's sorry she's missing, but she just can't help them. She's completely calm. Around 3 a.m., they tell Ray that Amanda Michelle is not your baby. They question him, and he honestly believed that his wife was pregnant this whole time. Like, he was shocked. So Darcy is taken into a conference room with detectives around 7.30 a.m. the next morning, and she repeats the story verbatim, that there was a surrogate, that she paid her, yada yada. They question her for almost two hours. Darcy tells them, that's my baby, I paid for her. Around 10 a.m., they let Darcy see the baby, and she holds her, And tells them she feels like a real person for the first time in her life. And this baby is going to live her entire life with her. She started talking a little bit about her childhood, about how she was adopted, and how she never really felt a part of her family. And the detective says, what about this baby's mother? Do you want this baby to feel like you felt growing up? How do you think this baby's mother would feel? If you know where she's at, you need to tell us. Darcy gets very quiet, and finally she says, maybe something terrible happened to her. She hands the baby over to the nurse and tells her to take her away and starts crying. She says, I've done something horrible, and I'm afraid there's something wrong with the woman. Oh, my gosh. And then she tells them, I killed her. Within a few minutes, the detectives and Darcy were driving east on I-40 down a dirt road to the National Forest She was very chatty, told them that she'd used a toy gun to get Cindy in the car. And how she had watched moms outside the OBGYN clinic to see who looked the most pregnant. So then that's how she picked Cindy. totally random. Totally random because she was the most pregnant woman. She planned to take Cindy to her house to perform the surgery, but when she turned onto her street... She saw her husband's car, so instead she drove into the mountains. They got closer. She became hysterical, saying, I killed her and took the baby. Oh my God, I hope she's not dead. And she points to a tree, and there is Cindy. She had been strangled with a pink baby monitor belt that she had been wearing at her appointment. It was dangling from the tree. She had been cut open with the ignition key of her blazer. Oh, how?
1: I'm sorry. She was how? camping. She was camping out though, and she didn't have a cutting instrument. Well,
0: she planned on taking her to her house. Oh, I see. So yeah. Oh my cut. gosh! I had a C-section, and how? they use a full-ass scalpel right. to how cut through it? skin, muscle, fat. your Uterus, everything. How is a key sharp enough to do that? I couldn't. I tried to dig a key out of Max's hand. Up key. I tried to use a key to dig a splinter out of Max's hand the other night in the Walmart parking lot. Look, listen to me sound like white trash.
1: <laughs> in the Walmart. Parking in the Walmart parking lot,
0: oh it Lord. was not sharp enough. No, they're not. No, with the ignition key of her blazer, there was about a five-inch wound exactly in the right spot for a cesarean. She'd been unconscious. But alive when she was cut open, so she had bled out. Awful. Of course. Yes. They found Darcy's Krugeran that hung on her necklace underneath Cindy's lifeless body. So she had grabbed her necklace in the struggle and ripped it. So I just want to give you a little bit this this happens more than we would ever hope does. It's called fetal kidnapping. And it's when a pregnant woman who is two-term is basically kidnapped and the fetus is extracted through basically a homemade C-section.
1: If women didn't have enough to worry about. Right. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, you see this in the news. Right. At least every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So the way that they
0: contact these women, there's some like – top five contact schemes that these women use. So, if you're pregnant, be aware. Not trying to scare you, but...
1: knowledge is power. um,
0: Offering a ride to a pregnant woman, conducting a study, like they'll contact you and say, hey, we're conducting a study on a pregnant woman or blah, blah, blah. Um, Miss delivery of a baby gift, like they'll show up at your house and say, oh, I think this is yours and it was accidentally delivered to my house. You know, Amazon or whatever. Like, Yes crazy neighbor, classified ads, promising of baby items, which I've seen other stories where they're, they see a pregnant woman like in a parking lot and they're like, oh my gosh, I have so many baby clothes. What do you have in? Oh girl. Oh, I have a girl. Do you want to just follow me to my house and I'll give them to you? And then they cut your fucking baby out. Also aid worker, like somebody posing as like, Somebody to help you with yeah. financial aid or food or whatever. So, just be mindful, people. In ways.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. So, back at Sam and Cindy's house, Sam's commander and the chaplain knocked on his door around noon and told him the entire story. They then took him to the hospital and handed him his baby girl. She was six pounds, eight ounces, and healthy except for a small scratch on her head. Hmm. Darcy made a full confession that was taped later that afternoon. It was played at her trial in March of that year. Psychiatrists argued over her mental state during the trial. Defense said they found evidence of multiple personalities. One part of her thought she was pregnant. Another part of her covered up the fact that she wasn't. One part strangled Cindy. Another part did save the baby. And under hypnosis, she spoke about another part, a dark one. But this videotape was never shown to the jury. State psychiatrist said she was sick, but not clinically insane. The jury agreed, and on March 29th, she was found guilty of first-degree murder, kidnapping, and child abuse. She was sentenced to life in prison. At the time, this was the country's third known case of crude cesarean by a woman who wanted to have a baby. Mm. The first two were both in 1975, one in Philadelphia and one in North Hollywood. Both mothers were murdered, but both babies survived. Cindy was buried a week later. Sam enrolled at Brigham Young University for teaching. He changed the baby's name to Amelia And he and the children moved back to his home state of Utah. So Susan Cave was one of the psychologists who evaluated Darcy Pierce. And she said that this was without a doubt one of the most disturbed people she'd ever seen. Darcy told her that she felt like she was possessed by a demon. Oh,
1: Oh, no. Mm -hmm. a demon.
0: Yeah, a demon. She said that she told her... If that part of me comes out or any aspect of whatever is brought into this room, you would all be in danger. Mm -hmm. Susan said it made the hair on the back of her neck stand up. Wow. Obviously, the jury rejected this insanity plea and found her guilty and she's in prison, yada yada. So I read a Medium article, an LA Times article, and there is also a book written by Jesse Dixon called Lie and Kill. The True Story of Darcy Pierce. There's also a book by D.T. Hughes called Lullaby and Goodnight. If you want to read more on this banana's case, you can check those out. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So, typically, an abductor in these cases, let me give you some statistics, is a woman of childbearing age. Compulsive, manipulative, and deceptive personality, motivated by the desire to give their partner an infant, Mm. lives near or in the community or neighborhood where the abduction takes place, and also, their word's not mine, they're usually overweight. Probably because they're trying to conceal the fact that they're not pregnant. Yeah. Or they can pass it off that they're pregnant. Yeah. We literally just had a case about this last week in Arkansas. Oh, yeah. A woman doing yes. this. Well, in Benton County. Yeah. So, I'm going to touch a little bit about this. So, this woman was last seen on Halloween, mm. and they found her dead in McDonald, Missouri. Mm. Amber and Jamie Waterman are in custody and are being held on first-degree kidnapping charges with more charges to come in the connection of the death of Ashley Bush and the child she was pregnant with. It's not known if she killed Ashley in Arkansas or Missouri. Ashley was 31 weeks pregnant and was last seen in the passenger seat of an older model pickup in Maysville, Arkansas. The driver was a white woman in her 40s with brown shoulder length hair. She said her name was Lucy and Ashley had met her online when she was looking for a job to work from home. Mm. Lucy picked her up that morning at a handy mart in Maysville and said she was taking her to a job interview in Bentonville. Lucy was Amber Waterman. Ashley was found dead in a location different than her baby girl. A 911 call was placed by a woman that said she had given birth, but the baby had quit breathing. (sighs) Two deputies and an EMS worker responded and did CPR, trying to revive the baby, but were unsuccessful. The cause of baby's death has not been determined. An autopsy is being performed. The baby was cut out after the mother was killed. So they don't know if the baby came out dead or alive. Ugh. When Nama woman was called, they claimed Amber was a week past her due date and was having contractions and that they didn't have enough time to make it to the hospital And she had just given birth in the vehicle. Again, this woman also refused medical treatment and would not get in the ambulance with the baby to go to the hospital. She said she would follow them and the ambulance takes off with the baby and they turn down a road and don't follow to the hospital. Mm. So the baby is taken to Ozark Funeral Home. They did contact the funeral home to make funeral arrangements for the baby And a representative of the funeral home said they came in and wanted to have the baby cremated. Shortly after this, the Benton County coroner contacted the funeral home expressing suspicions about the identity of the baby and said there's something going on. We think it may be connected to this kidnapping and we should do an autopsy. The funeral home agreed but insisted the funeral happen first in case there was a mistake. So the family... Shows up and has a service for this baby. Yes, that's not even theirs. But the whole family thought she was fucking pregnant. Oh, wow. And that the baby had died. Yes. That is. Yes. So they explained to Amber that they're going to do an autopsy because all this weird shit's going on. And the only thing she said is, is there going to be a DNA test? Yeah. Uh Her whole demeanor changed. Is there, are you going to DNA test this baby? Are you fucking kidding me? If I just lost my child, I can't even think about it. And you said that to me. That would not be the first thing out of my mouth.
1: No, no. And then you refused medical treatment. Yeah. I mean, you're you a wouldn't even go. Right yeah, dead. yeah, no. yeah. So they're waiting the results
0: of the autopsy to determine if the baby did take a breath before death, oh, like before gosh. the death of the mother. Well, I
1: guess that would change. Charges.
0: Charged. Yeah. A hundred percent. So the FBI is called in and the Benton County Sheriff's Office. They serve a search warrant on Laughlin Ridge Road in Missouri in connection with the missing person. They found human remains believed to be Ashley's. So they were taken into custody. Gosh. Being held in McDonald County Jail pending filing of formal charges. It is believed that Ashley died of a gunshot. So this case literally just happened mm-hmm. 2 weeks ago, so it's very active and ongoing, so stay tuned. Wow. Crazy. These fucking women, let me tell you. There are better ways to get attention. Abs and <sighs> I know a lot of women who have had trouble conceiving, myself being one of them. Mm-hmm. Never do I know anybody Including myself, whoever looked at a pregnant woman and thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill her and get and and cut her baby out.
1: And they think they're gonna get away with Yes. That? They're so How? I mean, there's so many kids in the foster system. Just nobody get, cares
0: about that. It's nobody, like nobody, get a kid that way. No, they want a baby. They, they want, want baby. the attention yes, also. That's true. They wanna be pregnant. Being yeah. pregnant and all the attention
1: and yeah, their lover
0: right. or husband or whoever thinking this is our baby yeah you're right yeah and so Ugh, then they're like it infuriates then me. they're screwed and now i now i got to get a baby this never crossed my mind not one single time <laughs> it's when i was pregnant <laughs> no, no 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 when i was pregnant i never ever oh, thought
1: oh, oh my someone god could get someone me.
0: could kidnap me and steal my baby probably because i was just fat and looked
1: pissed off if, all the time <laughs> they were like should, not I her should, not her walk away from her I should have put a disclaimer at the beginning of this for anyone pregnant listening we'll, we'll have to do that but yes well yes just be everyone be wary you're and that's a thing too you're always scared well not I'm not speaking for everyone I'm more afraid of men walk when I'm walking alone or whatever but a common tactic is people using women or children. Or women faking pregnancies or pretending like they are hurt, injured in some way to try to trick you.
0: If I see a woman walking and I'm walking, I honestly have never until just now realized that it has never scared me.
1: Yeah, you've never. Never. I I never have either. Once a woman was trying to sell me perfume in a parking lot and I'm like, I get migraines. She's trying to sell you Plexus Slim. (laughs) She drove beside me. I'm like, I get migraines. I'm not dealing with this. Bye. Goodbye. I'm like, I'm not the one to buy your stuff. I just never thought you're. Yeah, they're not as they're not as intimidating. Or
0: even whenever I had a newborn baby and was out and about, people steal. Yeah, that somebody may literally try to. Oh my god. Kidnap my child? Maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I was just tired and was like, I don't fuck take him. I don't care. <laughs> <You're> like, <"I'll laughs> no, just I was that is a joke. That was a joke. Yeah. I do you not. Know, I'm glad no one ever. Obviously, my kid. <laughs> obviously, yes. Uh, but, but no, for real, you just don't. I feel like People you don't think suck. about that. People suck. But yes, this poor woman.
1: <sighs> I can't even. Mm-mm. I honestly cannot even imagine. It's horrifying. Let's take a break. I need a break. Let's break. Before I take you down a sci-fi rabbit hole, let me tell you about Girly Chew. Girly Chu. Mm-hmm. Girlie was born on August 27th, 1963 in Malaysia. Her friends described her as a self-assured and kind woman who came to the U.S. in 1992 in search of a better life. She was smart and had a big personality. During a trip to the SeaWorld in San Diego, she met a man. So, yeah, she met a man at SeaWorld. I swear it's to an God. interesting place to meet a guy. So, he was another tourist named Diazin Hassenkoft. He was a thoracic surgeon in his mid-20s who also specialized in genetics research. At this point, he was living in New Mexico. Okay. A tourist from New Mexico, she was still living in Malaysia though, so she had to return. But he was still trying to woo her. He even sent letters to her parents telling them about how successful he was. He must have said the right things because he invited her to move in with him in New Mexico, and she agreed. When she showed up, he presented her with an $8,000 engagement ring. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Money talks, I guess. I mean. In 1993, they got married and made a home for themselves in Albuquerque, which is the hardest word to spell, in my opinion. Albuquerque? Yes. It's restaurant for me. There's so many Qs. There's so many U's. Gurley began working as a bank teller at the Bank of America, and she settled nicely into her new life. She had a lot of friends at work. She went on work trips with them. It was it was great. Gurley and Diazin tried for years to conceive a child of their own with no luck. But after four years of marriage, Diazin brought a baby boy home. He told Gurley that he had been orphaned in Mexico. It was a friend's. And he stepped in to help and take the baby back to New Mexico. We all know there's a million hoops to jump through when you adopt a child. So Uh, yeah, she saw this as a big red flag. But he kept swearing this was an orphan from Mexico. So she's like, okay, whatever. I will raise this child as our own. So he just brings a baby in. Uh, Exactly. With no discussion. He never told her about this. He just comes home and said, I saved this little orphan baby from Mexico. She's like, What? Not long after the adoption, for lack of a better word, Dyson found out that he had cancer, leukemia. He had to frequently get blood transfusions and was even seen coughing up blood. He told Gurley that he didn't have much time left to live. Even though he had terminal cancer, he started spending less and less time at home. He was spending less and less time with their son, Dimitri, less time with Gurley. These were allegedly work trips, but still, he was working a lot for someone who is about to die. So, Girlie thought that something must be up, so she went to his office and started snooping around. So, in his office, she found something very unexpected. Dyson Hoffenkoff's real name was actually Armando Chavez. She also discovered that his work trips were actually fronts to cover his affairs with other women. There's really no end of his web of lies because she also found out after – so this was two years after raising this child, Dimitri, that it was Dyson's biological son. What? We have some crazy baby stories this Where's, where's the mom? So – Oh, boy. He wasn't an orphan from Mexico. He was likely a child from one of his many affairs. And why the biological mother did not have him? This was still a complete mystery. Not long after this discovery, she caught him loosening the wheel nuts of her car. This terrified her. Of course, you're like, what are you doing? So she confronted him. Then he physically attacked her, choked her, all the things, but she was able to press the garage door opener and escaped. So at this point, she's afraid for her life and she even started taking self-defense classes. She didn't keep the secret at work. She told her supervisor, she told all of her coworkers. They, everyone she knew, she told. She was terrified. She also told them all about how he had been using a fake name and he was a big fat cheater. And at this point, she didn't even believe he was a doctor at all. So over the course of their marriage, there were also two reported episodes of domestic violence to the Albuquerque Police Department. After years of abuse, Gurley moved out of their home and filed for divorce in January of 1999. After this, he repeatedly threatened Gurley, like said he was going to kill her, and she continued to tell her friends and employers that she was in fear for her safety. She even contacted the FBI and told them they need to investigate him if anything should happen to her. Oh my god. This is, Yeah. Guess what? He was actually already on the FBI's radar, and was since 1995, but for a totally different reason. Dyson tried to purchase a bioreactor. I didn't know what it was either. It's an apparatus for growing organisms. What kind of organisms? Exactly. He told the company that he wanted it to conduct cell growth experiments. But it was something that could also be used for dangerous tests. So the company alerted the FBI. They're like, hey, look, this guy's looking for one of these. Some random dude shouldn't just have one of these. Yeah, no. This isn't just something you call a company and buy. They also found out he was going by a fake name. His real name, like I said, was Armand Chavez, and he was originally from Houston, Texas. <laughs> he, he did go to medical school. Until he was expelled for falsifying all of his transcripts. It was after this he changed his name and pretty much dedicated his entire life to being a con artist.
0: <sighs> Jesus.
1: While Gurley was taking self-defense classes and was scared for her life, Diazin was just busy dating other women and conning cancer patients.
0: You know, when people do that shit with cancer, that just mm-hmm. infuriates
1: that's a whole new level. It really is. It's a whole new low. While browsing dating sites, he met a woman named Julie McGuire of Aztec, New Mexico. They quickly became romantically involved, but he also had a business opportunity for her. He told her he had created a serum, and if you inject it into your skin, it would make your skin look like it was when you were younger. Spoiler alert, this was just B12.
0: I'm like, wait, what? It wasn't anything (laughs) fancy, yeah.
1: So she was skeptical. But he told her that he was actually many, many, many years old. Over 100 years old, to be exact. (laughs) But he told her he looked so much younger because he was part alien. If this isn't a big red
0: flag, I
1: don't know what is. She was concerned about the financial investment into the serum. So she got a background check on him, and that's when she discovered he was actually already married to Girlie. They hadn't divorced yet, and he hadn't even mentioned her to her. When she brought this up, he told her that he would just have some people take Girlie away. After Gurley filed for divorce, Dyson was still taking care of, quote, their son, Dimitri at home. He was cheating on her with multiple women. So, in addition to Julia, there was Linda Hinning. Linda was a model and eventually began designing women's clothing. She did pretty well for herself, and in the late 80s, she moved to Albuquerque, because that's where you go. <laughs>
0: Because that's where all the fashion, it's the hard new, hitters.
1: its the new Paris, they it's they the new move, Milan, it's the move new New to York, Albuquerque. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yes, I've I heard mean, about this. I've heard it's up and coming. <laughs> up and coming. Sorry, sorry. <clears throat> we Good love season. you, Albuquerque, yes, but we I do. don't know that
0: you're—I wouldn't—a fashion mecca. I'm not. I don't know anybody that's like you know what I really want to look at wedding gowns. Oh, fun! Where are you going? Actually, Albuquerque. To Albuquerque. We're gonna
1: fly to Albuquerque. <laughs> okay.
0: I mean, they did not – I missed that episode of Sex in the City. I know. Anyways,
1: continue. I'm sorry. No. So, fast forward to 1999, and her business was still doing well. I mean, all things considered. Can't even look at you. (laughs) Considering it was Albuquerque, no. But in the summer of 1999, Linda met Dyson at a seminar led by conspiracy theorist David Icke. Long story short, this David guy – He's a well-known dude. He believes the world is... I don't know how I'm going to get through this part of the story. He believes the world is controlled and manipulated by an unseen global network. He believes this network is interdimensional, consisting of shape-shifting reptilians that include the world's ruling elite. Like they're giant like, lizards? Yes. I have seen an episode of something. Yes. This is uh, this is Guy. That's his well-known conspiracy. No, for real. The lizard people. Like the British family, they're all actually lizard aliens or whatever. Yeah. He also thinks that the moon and Saturn are just holographic experiences that the reptiles are broadcasting. I read this guy's entire wiki page, and it is wacky. Wacky wiki. I'll link it up in our show notes because woof. So Linda was all about this guy and all about the seminar because she was fascinated in UFOs and conspiracy theories, just like Diazin. Remember, Roswell's in New Mexico. I'm kind of like, why didn't they move there? But there was no malls. Anyway, they meet at the seminar and Diazin tells Linda that he's a doctor and a former member of the CIA. This lie gets told too often that you're in the CIA. If, if
0: you're anyone listens to you're you not going to tell anybody.
1: You're never going to tell anyone. Don't any ask of that. me how I know. Exactly. <laughs> so he also makes his money by treating rich women by giving them vitamin injections that help cure cancer. God bless. I mean, if she's at a lizard people awareness meeting or whatever, I'm sure she didn't care about his job. She's like, yeah, f- whatever. I don't care. Whatever, what dude. Doing. So, Linda was engaged to someone else at this time, but two weeks after meeting Dyson, she dumped her fiancé and told all of her friends, I found the one. I'm going to marry this alien doctor. Two weeks? Two freaking weeks. She She's was been engaged. Engaged, yes. Her friends were very concerned about her and her new relationship. Her ex-fiancé told friends that she had stopped changing her clothes and bathing Meanwhile, she was telling all of her friends about her 1,000 year old alien lover who had promised her that she would be the reptile queen. If you start doing that to me, I'm like, I, I hate to break it to you, but he is not the alien lover you think he is. Oh, I wonder if there's a reptile hinge. Girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like any
1: any tiny side is full of reptiles. They're all they're all oh, lizard they're all snakes. And they're scaling. all snakes. Oh, so while Gurley was away, Dyson decided to file paperwork to place his three-year-old son Dimitri, up for adoption. His biological son, three years old. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can't even.
1: The first adoption was disrupted within weeks. But a second one stuck, and his name was changed at adoption. Three years old.
0: Three years old, yeah. This baby knew... Oh, that makes me sad as
1: fuck. The administrative director of the adoption agency was suspicious about the birth mother, and Dyson told her that he had actually harvested eggs from a woman in Canada, then took the eggs to a lab and created Dimitri. (sighs) So this was impossible, but... He was able to carry on with the process anyway. This woman was probably like, this kid needs to be away from this guy. Since Gurley had been taking care of Dimitri as well, like she was his guardian too, she had to sign paperwork as well to give him up for adoption. So they were, you know, going through a divorce at this time. So she came and signed the paperwork separately. And when the adoption agency director told him, Hey, girly came in and signed the paperwork. He told her there will be justice. What? She had no idea what he meant by that. Something about him disturbed her. She was very uncomfortable with him, and she was so troubled by him, she thought Dyson had kidnapped this child. And so she called the FBI. So this dude's getting FBI calls left and right. And Mm -hmm. she's like, look, will you check on this for me? So in the meantime, on September 10th, 1999 – Girlie did not show up for work.
0: And oh, Jesus.
1: Her supervisor immediately reported her missing. Her co-workers all knew about the abuse and that she was terrified of Dyson. She even told them once that he said he would kill her and they would never be able to find the body. That morning at the bank, they got a mysterious call asking if Girlie had showed up for work yet. This was just a few minutes after. She should have been there. They said no and the guy hung up. A few minutes later they got a second call from the same guy asking about Girlie. This time he asked and afterward a woman grabbed the phone and said, "Hey, this is Ernie Johnson, one of Girlie's close friends. They spoke on the phone every single evening, but the day before she wasn't able to reach her and she was worried." Ernie short for Ernestine, by the way, just gotcha. to avoid confusion. So she didn't call her the night before. Girlie was never late, never missed work. So they were all freaking out after just 10 minutes. I mean, her friends, every coworker she had. So they called the police and the police were like, look, this is not an emergency. She's probably just running late. Try calling Mm -hmm. the non-emergency number. So they did. And even the non-emergency number didn't help. They didn't get the big deal either. The day before her disappearance, Girlie called the FBI again and asked them if they could protect her. Dyson had threatened her multiple times and had also been physically violent on numerous occasions. The officer she spoke to said there was nothing he could do, which is awful. Yes, there is something you can do. On the morning of September 10th, another friend of Girlie's named Jessie arrived to her apartment around 8.30. He noted that her car was still there, so he rang her doorbell multiple times, but she didn't answer. He looked through her windows. He didn't see anyone. So he went to the building manager and demanded they do a welfare check. The manager also knew about Girlie's crazy ex. I mean, every person, everybody knew knew. everybody. So he's like, Oh my God. Yeah. He grabbed the keys and he went to open her deadbolt first when they realized the deadbolt had not been locked. Jesse knew Girlie was terrified for her life and she would always lock both the doorknob and the deadbolt. So this was a red flag for him. Once they opened the door, They walked in and noticed three stains on her orange carpet. The smallest stain was the size of a grapefruit, and the largest was the size of a basketball. They were bleach stains, which is not a good sign because everyone knows not to pour bleach on color unless you're covering up something that's even worse, you know? Well, bleach is a dead giveaway. Absolutely. And then on orange crush carpet, Uh -uh. staining it white. No. A stain would be better unless it was blood. They didn't hear anything and no one was there. Her bed was neatly made and everything was in place except for these stains. They call the police again. And finally, they're like, okay, we'll go to Dyson's house and do a welfare check. They explain, because they explained that Girlie was not home. They had Mm -hmm. been there, so maybe she was there. Well, once they arrived, no one was there except a maid cleaning the place. The place was totally emptied out, as in... Furniture gone. Everything. And a neighbor said, oh, he just moved to Texas for special cancer treatments. Finally, the police were suspicious. Finally. And they went to Gurley's apartment to look at it for themselves. Whoever had cleaned the carpet didn't clean it well enough because there were seven spots of blood. They also used luminol and the place lit up. May as well not even use bleach. What does it matter? Right. I I mean... Her purse and car keys were also gone, which was really strange because her car was still there. That same day, right off of a highway, around 120 miles south of Albuquerque, a road worker found a tarp, a woman's blouse, shorts, underwear, and pieces of duct tape and gauze, all smeared with blood. Oh, I hate duct tape! And containing strands of hair, no body. But, yeah, so all of this was taken in for DNA testing in the midst of investigating Dyson. They finally found the origin of his son, Dimitri. Finally, he had an affair with a woman of Japanese descent in Canada. She got pregnant, and once she gave birth, he convinced her to relinquish the child to him. But he did this by manipulating her. She believed he was a doctor. And she t- and he told her Dimitri had a very, very rare medical condition that only he, Diazin, could help with. And that it would be in her best interest as a loving mother to give him the boy to do to help him because he was a physician. So totally manipulated her. I can't even am-
0: – uh-uh.
1: No. Yeah. No. And they found the adoption records in Dyson's home and noticed that Linda was listed as an emergency contact. So on September 12th of 1999, they paid 45-year-old Linda a visit and questioned her. She denied an affair. She said that he had cancer and she was just his caretaker. She said Dyson was one of the smartest people she had ever met. She said there was a cryogenic tube at the end of the street that served as markers for the reptile aliens when they arrive. She said that Dyson told her she was the chosen one who could get rid of the alien queen, which was Girly too. So Linda thought she needed to get rid of Girly and be the new reptile. I, I don't know. She claimed she had no idea where Dyson went and she didn't even think she'd see him again. She also claimed she had never met his wife, Girly. So detectives were able to track Dyson down in South Carolina not Texas, and he was staying with another woman named Cheryl Culp, and she thought she was going to marry him, too. All these women were planning on marrying this guy, and spoiler, he's not a hottie. I was just about to ask. He's not a hottie. He must be, I I don't know, a good talker? I have no idea. I don't know. I gotta look at a picture. Ew.
0: (laughs) Ew. Yeah. He looks like a Dollar Tree Stephen King. (laughs) Oh, And, oh. No.
1: That's who swipes on me, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> well. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. If you were only on Reptile Tinder. No, well, I, I am, I feel like. Anyways. <laughs> they questioned him there, and he claimed he had no idea what happened to Girlie. so they extradited him back to New Mexico. They were able to do this because he'd made threatening calls to the adoption agency and was like, What are you doing? Talking to police? So, because he was threatening people, they were allowed to extradite him back on that, which meant, you know, they could hold him for a while. The DNA results came back from all of the evidence. They were convinced Dyson's would be all over it. Nope. Those strands of long hair found in the tarp were not girlies, they belonged to Linda. Linda's blood was also found at girlies' apartment. Cat hair was also found at girlies' apartment which was weird because she did not have a cat. Dyson's saliva was found on Girlie's shirt, though. Police searched Linda's home and found a Japanese ninja sword hidden... I know. Not a Japanese ninja sword. In this case, hidden in the ceiling, in the garage's ceiling. Dyson had purchased it the same day that Girlie went missing. They found a receipt. They also found a .22 Beretta handgun. Still, there was no Beretta, but they knew something awful had to have happened to Gurley. On October 29th, 1999, police arrested Linda Henning for perjury, and three weeks later, they indicted both Linda and Dyson for first-degree murder. In the interviews, Linda told them that the true mastermind was actually a man named Bill Miller. Bill was a close friend who was into all of their same UFO seminars and conspiracy theories. They searched his home and did find a bunch of animal hair, and they tested it with the cat hair found in the tarp, and it was a match. They arrested him for tampering with evidence. In his home, they also found ammunition magazines, duct tape, maps, notebooks, and over 18 weapons. He was a hunter, but this was still a freaking lot. They thought he was involved somehow, they just didn't really know how. To avoid a lengthy trial and possible death sentence, Dyson pleaded guilty to murder. He was sentenced to life plus 61 years in prison. As part of the deal, he agreed to take the authorities to Gurley's body. Linda refused to make a deal and insisted she was a victim used to do Dyson's evil bidding. During the trial in September of 2002, Dyson shockingly testified on Linda's defense. In his testimony, he said that Gurley, quote, knew she was going to be hunted like the dog she was. Is this not awful? <sighs> he should have not been on the stand, but anyway. And he said that she was like a scared rabbit in an open field she knew. He also testified that he planted Linda Henning's blood in Girlie Chew's apartment to throw off investigators. But here's the thing, none of the jurors thought he was a credible witness, so they didn't believe a word he said. During the trial, a prosecutor alleged that Linda had eaten Gurley's flesh.
0: Swear to God.
1: They said, quote, During the course of the case's investigation, it was reported by more than one individual that the defendant had made statements that she had actually consumed the flesh of Gurley Chu Hostenkopf, and that, as a consequence, her remains and body would never be found by authorities. On October twenty fifth, two 2002... A jury found Linda guilty of first-degree felony murder, kidnapping, conspiracy to commit kidnapping, perjury, criminal solicitation, and tampering with evidence. She escaped the death penalty and was sentenced to 73 and a half years in prison. In 2010, the New Mexico Supreme Court overturned her perjury convictions, but they upheld her convictions and sentence, so still same amount of time. You know, Dyson was supposed to take them to Gurley's body. He totally backed out of that plea deal and never disclosed the location to authorities. He suddenly started claiming he was innocent, and that's that. (sighs) For his role in the crime, which is still unclear to everyone, Bill Miller received one year of probation. Gurley Chu remains missing to this day. So there's a book by Mark Horner called September Sacrifice that's all about this case and Ugh. I'll link it up. And then there's a lot of info on Oxygen, ABQ Journal, the Charlie Project, and the Going West podcast. I just it's so wild. There's no body. They found this tarp and everything. Him saying she was like a rabbit in a field makes me think it was That makes me a remote I'm- area, but it's yeah, I don't like that. This case, I can't believe I had never found it when I was searching for New Mexico last year. Mm-mm. Y'all got a wacky one today. For no sure. kidding. Awful. Moving on. Moving on. We have a new patron. <gasps> we do? Justin W. from Ohio. Very
0: cool. Thanks,
1: Justin. Thanks, Justin. And I noticed your email address had a very specific name in it. I guess I shouldn't say... I'll just say it's the name of someone on the Facts of Life, which is weird because I was just Is talking. it Tootie? We're just going to say it's Tootie. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Justin. Andy A. also bought us a couple of cocktails. She said this was four Little Rock cocktails or one Seattle cocktail plus a tip. <laughs> and I told her, I'm like, with That's our hysterical. drink taxes, they're like 30% in Little Rock. It's not much different. But That's whatever. hilarious. So, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. The cops are coming. There's sirens outside. <laughs> What's Ignore happen- that. What is happening? We also got a show suggestion, which is good, from Michaela S. She said to check out Diabolical on Discovery <gasps> Plus. I've not ever seen that. I think I've seen it on ID before, but I'll have to go back and check. But she said the crimes are wild, and she's just been she's been binging it. Thanks, Very Michaela. cool. Love a good suggestion. Have you been watching anything? Me? Mm-hmm. Um I did watch
0: a show on Hulu. That's going to be my Freaky Friday. Oh. So I'll give it to you cuz this will come yeah. out after. Um it's called For the Love of God. This is a show or a movie? It's a show. It's a it's a um documentary.
1: Okay.
0: It's bananas. It's about
1: did I just tell you the wrong name? For the love of God! Maybe it's called for God for. Maybe God. it's
0: called God forbid. God
1: forbid. I know it's. It is. It's called God forbid.
0: <laughs> don't <laughs> i knew it was one either for the love of god or god, god forbid, forbid. Scratch it so it is about a sex scandal that brought down a dynasty god
1: forbid it Oh my is gosh! so no. good Does it have the pool on the front yes of the, this is it yes yes I've, so that's a documentary it's a documentary it's like two that. hours long okay let me see watch it.
0: it's i thought it was a show no 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 it is a documentary mm-hmm. about a Miami pool boy who finds himself trapped in a seven-year affair with a charming older woman <sighs> and her husband, the
1: and evangelical
0: husband? Trump Stalwart. How do you say that? Stalwart? I have no idea. Do I just that sound illiterate? Stalwart. Well, whatever. Jerry Falwell Jr. <gasps> As he becomes increasingly entangled with the Falwell's single, seemingly... Perfect lives. It is so good.
1: Wait, is that the Liberty University guy? Yes. What the... I, Him and that. his wife
0: like to, to
1: diddle with the pool boy. No, no, no. This is about Jerry Falwell? Yes. Oh, His, his God. wife was
0: banging, spoiler, <laughs> all the spoilers, banging the pool boy, and he was standing in the corner, slapping the salami, <sighs> recording it, watching them. And it went on for years. This kid... Well, say kid, he's a twenty. Yeah. Met their kids, went on trips with them. They would stay in the hotel together. He and the wife would sleep in the bed, and the husband would sleep on the couch. Oh my. It's it's insane. It's good. It's gonna be my Freaky Friday. I'm gonna so, have to watch it. By the time this comes out, the Freaky Friday will already be out. Yeah. So
1: yeah.
0: Anyway. If you haven't watched
1: it by now, do it. And we'll be back next week in Min- Minnesota Minnesota. 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 Well, you haven't watched anything? Um, I watched Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. We talked about that. Did we on here? I don't know. I can't we remember both if we talked it. on the podcast or not. We both watched some it. Some episodes really good. Some episodes I was like, meh. I've been watching the new season of American Horror Story. It's good.
0: It's, you don't like it? I do. It's slow?
1: It's so different. Very different. In terms of it's not that scary. You know what I mean? It's not. It's more suspense. It's more of a thriller drama yeah, to me yeah it's than, good uh, so i'm like i like it. the difference but you know how i am with that show i'm like when's it gonna crash down but i'm mm. i was gonna watch it last night and i'm like it's tuesday no i'm gonna watch it tonight anyway see you next week see you next week bye, bye.